Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Good morning, family. Thankfully, I'm all hugged up. I appreciate you. Um... No, it's, I'm serious about that. I'm serious about that. You know, um, I think in a, uh, we lost a little bit of ground during COVID. I lost a little bit of ground during COVID, spiritually, emotionally. Um, starting to all kind of come to my understanding, especially as I have to study the Word a little bit more. The, the beauty of uh, having to, getting the opportunity to preach is I have to dig into the Word because I don't want to look like an idiot up here, and I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to do violence to the Word of God nor the congregation. And what that does is it uh, keeps me tethered spiritually, you know, when the wind is blowing hard, when the pain is intense, you know, when things aren't quite going the way you envision them going, when you thought you knew what was happening and it really wasn't happening, when there's cloudiness in your spiritual vision, when there's emotions are all over the place and you're having a hard time gathering them, it's like, you know, you have a bunch of balloons and the wind just really wants to rip them out of your hand. You know, that when that Holy Spirit gets quenched inside you. Um, so the word has a, a power of its own to strengthen us. But there's a couple other pillars to that. So today um, I'm going to talk about the next episode because we just had the Easter, right? And the resurrection and everything that happened after that was the most amazing thing that has ever touched the world. Because from the 11 plus 1 plus Jesus, right now there are about 2.8 billion people that affiliate with the Christian church. 2.8 billion people started in Acts. When I read the word, I really try to dig into some context to really see what's actually happening. Because our life today, we've been hurried along to get to the entertainment. We've been hurried along to get to lunch. We've been hurried along to get to the next thing that we have on our mind. So our time with the Lord, our time in the Word, our time gets gets condensed and it's always being challenged. I don't know if that's happening to you, it's happening to me. It, it gets challenged. And uh, I'm, I'm praying today that the Lord pulls out of me a message that, that touches somebody's heart today. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit, which abides in all of us that claim the name of Christ. We, we want you, to, Lord, to just enhance that, like you did with the apostles. They needed that just that extra touch. They always seem to need that extra touch. Well, we need your extra touch today, Lord. We need your extra touch in our hearts and our minds today to alleviate the confusion, to alleviate the pressure, to alleviate us from concentrating on things that don't matter, Lord to things that do matter. And that's the lives of other 
Christians, believers, and also of those who don't believe. Help us today, Lord. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start at the end. I'm kind of work back. Acts 2.42. The fellow, the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to, the, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That's the church. That's the church. I need to say it again. That's the church. Y'all got to wake up in here. Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? So you go from the end of Luke. 24, where, you know, when Christ died and everybody that had been with the Lord for three years was kind of gone. They were devastated. Absolutely devastated. They just couldn't understand what just happened. And it would be easier for us to sit back, well, look at all you three years. You had all this time with the Lord. You saw all this stuff. What's wrong with you guys? I don't know. I've been studying this stuff for a long time. And there's so much doubt that creeps into me. So much fear. What I love about Scripture, what I love about Scripture is the characters in the Bible are real people. And the Bible doesn't skimp on showing us how real they are. Right? Peter, you know, James. I mean, Jesus is getting ready to go die, and they're worried about who's going to be the first in the kingdom of heaven. So they just didn't get it. And I used to look at these guys with a judgmental eye when I was early in the faith, and I wasn't very mature. But now I look at them with a sympathetic eye and also some joy, because you know what? If they can get in... I'm good to go because I'm just as thick headed and stubborn and don't get it as they are. Right. So I just want to pull a little bit of pressure off of some of you today and say, guess what? You're just as good as those guys that are in the Bible. You know, right. Because they all struggled. They all had problems. You know what I'm saying? Jesus did some wonderful things. I don't think it should be called the acts of the apostles. It should be called the acts of God because God brought blessed assurance that Jesus was theirs to them. Jesus came back and he showed himself to them. He did exactly what they knew because most of them knew some portions of the Old Testament. Jesus coming back, showing himself to them by many miraculous proofs. Did what, the reason why I'm just talking, I want you guys to do the studying now. I'm not going to put a bunch of slides up there and have everything all neatly worked out for you. Because if you're interested and if you care and the Holy Spirit so prompts you, you will investigate. Right? Okay, that's what God is urging us to do. They were fellowshipping, worshiping, talking about the word. See, they don't have the New Testament. They're creating it right now. In real time, the New Testament is being created based on the Old Testament and what Jesus is bringing to us. Do you think about it that way? At this time, there were thousands of extra people in Jerusalem because it was the celebration of the Passover. So these events collide where you've got people from all over the world at Jerusalem. These were people who accepted they were either Jews from other parts of the world, and they had come to this pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So they'd already kind of heard rumors of Jesus and all that stuff, you know. And some of them had probably even seen some miracles. What solidified the point was a couple promises that were fulfilled. 
Number one, Jesus came back. He presented himself to the disciples. He presented himself to thousands of people over these 40 days. Because how do these guys go from complete cowards to, by the end of Acts, all dying, persecuted, a martyr's death? How do you do that? Something transcendent had to happen to you to change all that. You know, so it's not about being familiar with Jesus. Because even the devils are familiar with Jesus. The gospel is a simple message. It's a simple message. Because when Jesus came back, he just told him to wait because what was promised to you from the father is coming. So they listened and they waited. And the day of Pentecost happened. Here's what, here's what Pentecost did. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the confirmation of God in us happened. That these men finally understood all the knowledge that they, all the schooling that they gathered. You know, you go to college, you might go to college for a long time, they get out of college, and then, did you get that job you studied for in college? No. You got a job, so you could pay for college, you know. But then, as you get more experience and stuff, and you get an opportunity to get that job that you studied for, and you sit down, you walk in there, and it's like, boom, all the stuff that you studied for, all the stuff that you, all of a sudden, it just comes back. And you, hey, I know this stuff. That's kind of what I feel the disciples said. Whoa, wait, boom. When I was a kid, they were talking about this, you know. Because Peter, old mealy mouth Peter, these guys were uneducated. So the Pentecost it was just so remarkable and so many people got saved. Never before in the world was there an explosion of, of Christianity than right here. First it was 120. Then it was 3,000. Then it was 5,000. And at the end of this verse, what does it say? God continue adding to those who are being saved daily. So first and foremost, God builds the church, not us. Not great preaching, not Hillsong, not all these other things that we want to attract people with. God builds your church. You preach the gospel. God builds the church. Your heart, with the power of the Holy Spirit, touches the lives of other people. They were all of one heart. You know what that means? They all were caring about what was best for the other person. And vice versa. Right? I don't like... I call them grace stealers, where they're always here for the grace, but don't give it out. Don't pay it forward. We all have to mature in Christ. We have to mature. The disciples got their maturity. Maturity comes through Scripture with the witness of the Holy Spirit and the discipline to maintain that walk. It's work. It's work. But I found as I started studying, I know where my traction was lost. I developed a habit of getting up early in the morning because that's when my brain seemed to be at its best and studying God's word and praying and just because it became a way I'm really ADD and I'm really my brain's always so I have to learn to calm. So the other day I was just playing praise and worship, you know, in the morning, just soaking and, you know, my wife's listening. I'm getting ready. She's just, oh, that's so nice. babe. That's so nice to hear that. I understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Okay, we can educate ourselves as much as we want. There are plenty of people who've gone all through theology, got a doctorate, and then all of a sudden the wheels fell off the wagon. Right? So we have to understand that God is building the church through the testimony of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to build us up in our most holy faith. 
understanding. Because what happens in Scripture is, like, we can say, all of a sudden, Peter's speaking the Old Testament. His first two messages, Stephen, speaking the Old Testament, and speaking the truth. They saw what happened to Jesus when he spoke the truth. How bold would you be? How bold would you be? That's what Jesus is asking us. Let your belief solidify with your spirit to move you forward in your most holy faith. Because God is building his church through you. Through the hearts of other Christians. You know, you each got to do your work. God has work for you. And it's beneficial to you. A walk, a Christian walk done the right way is the most beneficial, healthiest thing you can do. Because whatever bad habits you have, whatever anxieties you have, whatever depression you deal with, whatever, you know, issue you have. This word can solve that. It truly, truly, truly can. I've been plagued all my life with various things. I can speak to growing up and being sexually abused. I can speak to having crazy things going on in my mind and my heart. I can speak to being an addict and craving things that do harm to me and my body. I, I can know that the one thing in me throughout my entire life is a relationship with Jesus Christ and the church that Christ has put together on this earth. You people, all of you, aid me in walking with Jesus. Because I've been here long enough to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love me, you care about me, you pray for me, and I you. See? So I encourage you all. They're better. Don't be a tourist in church. Don't be a tourist here. Don't come late, leave early, and nobody knows you. If, if you've got some issues, if you've got some problems, if you've got anxiety, if you have fear, you can drop that at the door because I can tell you, I know all most of these people in here, man, man, it's amazing and a miracle and a great show of the love of God that they're here. And they're consistently here. I grew up a church boy. So church was always Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, then we were doing work for people on Saturday, probably. But some of the best people I knew were in church and some not so great people. So but people get stuck, stuck on something bad that happened to them. Right. Some bad interaction, some bad thing. You know, I think the biggest complaint I hear more than anything, I just want your money. Okay. That's what you think. I don't think we've ever preached that from this church. <clears throat> All we want your money for is to keep the lights on and the heat on. And give pastor a little bit of money so he doesn't go away. Have to get a job. You know, the job is to pastor us, to help us. Our job is to benefit and grow and become a mature church. You know, a mature church. Because the world, what they're selling us is to keep us children. When you got multimillionaire 25-year-olds playing a grown man's game for a king's ransom. And when we worship at the altar of these various pleasures that we like to have. I just, they say good, hard times make strong men and, what is it? Hard times make strong, make for, hard men makes, hard times make for strong men. Good times make us weak. Good times make us weak. We never arrive here spiritually. We continue to move. We continue to grow. Because I believe this with all my heart and everything that's in me, that you have the ability to affect and touch somebody's entire life. 
Those 12 men and Jesus changed the world for the better. And the reason why they were tortured, because the world hated them, because the world didn't understand the message. Because all of a sudden, people weren't buying those idols anymore. They weren't hanging out in the pubs anymore. They weren't cheating on their wives anymore. They weren't doing all these things that were part of the business model for the then and now. Churches were closed, not the bars or the weed stores during the pandemic. I need this more than I need that. This builds me up. Now, I'm not saying that's all wrong, but you have to understand what the world is doing against us. They're pulling us away from each other to isolate us. Many people have decided, I don't need church. I can watch it on TV. I don't need fellowship. I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to get sick. Well, you know, loneliness and isolation is another form of cancer to me. And I've got this odd thing I do. I can spot when I'm at the grocery store. I always watch people. But when I'm at the grocery store, I can see some people, some older, especially older men. It's really sad to me to watch older men become lonely and isolated and miserable. There's a lot of lonely, isolated, miserable men out there. And it just breaks my heart. Because those are the places where the devil can come in and just cut your throat. As we grow in our understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and his message, and and as we understand love and how it really operates, love in the hands of the Holy Spirit is miraculous. Let's renew our awe. Let's renew our, our understanding, our picture of God. Look at how many prophecies were fulfilled. And in Joel, it says, uh, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hundreds of years before, they say that the prophecies that Christ fulfilled, for one person to do that, and just like 10 of them, was a 10 to the 17th power. So basically, this is equivalent. I just read this, and it just, sometimes a, a word picture will give you so much perspective. Take the state of Texas, the whole state of Texas, and take a silver dollar and lay them on the, say you laid that on the face of Texas. That the odds of that happening would cover the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, two feet deep, color one blue, throw it in the pot, stir it up, give you a blindfold and tell you, you can walk as far as you want, but you have to pick up that coin. Stop playing. Stop playing. This is real stuff. You know, we have to just get into this word and understand it. For what it is, because if we don't, it makes us weak and, and ineffective. Do you want to be weak and ineffective in this life? Because there's only so much pleasure you can have. There's plenty of pain that accompanies it. You can't avoid it. You can't run away from it. It's a part of what we have here. But in that pain, we can find redemption and resurrection to true life. Hope. Hope. So 
it was just interesting to me to just understand what God is doing and continues to do because he continues to write. By the end of Acts, all disciples, all apostles are dead. But the message was preached at the seat of government at that time. And all these people that were there at the day of Pentecost, um, let's see. All right. Now there were staying in Jerusalem. This is Acts 2, verse 5. Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And some of them said, oh, they're drunk. That's when Peter stood up and let them have it. Ever think about that? What, how would you react to that? How would you react to that? That's tongues. When the Holy Spirit expresses it to you. That's tongues. That's what the Holy Spirit does, can do, and will do in you. These guys, they're no different than you were. They're not insanely educated. They were kids when Jesus started with them. Even his own family didn't convert until after the resurrection. So don't let your small faith, little faith, no faith, unbelief, all that. Don't let that stuff dissuade you from digging into the word of God and praying that the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal things to you, to mature you, to grow you up in your most holy faith. Growing up. We're all growing up. None of us are old when it comes to that. We all need a little more maturing. We all need a little more time in the oven, right? You know? God wants us to be fully and completely equipped to battle not only the things that come at us, but to be a shield for others. Because it's really about others. Grow up, get it together so you can help somebody else grow up and get it together. So we all grow up and get it together. We're all going to enjoy each other. You know, there's no anger. There's, you know, I'm going to think the best of you. If something bad happens and you're a part of it, I'm going to think, well, that's an exception. Like God said about David. He was a man after God's own heart, except in these few things. So God's not sitting there waiting to smash you in the head with a hammer because you sin. My head would be flat if that's the case. So we have to see God as a loving father, but also someone to be feared. Okay. Like early on in the church, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, plotted against the Holy Spirit. Because they saw somebody giving away something to the church, and he comes in, and everybody's like, oh, right on, brother, yeah. So they're like, man, I want some of that action. Let's go sell this property, but we ain't going to give it all back. They died for their lie. But see, that was the early church, and God needed to make a point. not saying they didn't go to heaven or not. It's just there's a point. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. You know, don't plot against God. (laughs) Grandma used to say, boy, your arms are too short to box with God. What's wrong with you? (laughs) so stop boxing with God and embrace the love that he has laid on the altar for you embrace love is about a cooperation 
It's about a cooperation. Me and my wife cooperate as best we can to move forward. And it's not easy because we were both children of abuse. You know, there's some couple things that are haywire. And I like speaking to people that have had those issues because they're hard to talk about because you don't think anybody else will ever understand. I get it. I'm just getting over it. You know, it doesn't diminish me. It just changes me a little bit. But God has shown me when I embrace that stuff and I'm able to talk about it and I'm able to help other people about it. Well, guess what? It builds them up in their most holy faith. And they realize they're not alone suffering. They're not alone with the crazy things that pop off in their heads from time to time. God's got a remedy for that. And it's called the family of God, the support system. Because I'm a loner. Like after six o'clock now with my hip pain, it's just like it's a wrap. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know. But if I wrap the cloak of the Lord around me. And I listen to his word and I read his word and I listen to his message and I think about the goodness of where I am today. I'm just trust me. I look comfortable up here, but I'm always shocked. And I'm always worried because I want to do the Lord justice when I'm up here. And that's kind of the way we should live our lives. I'm shocked at how well my life is going. If I really take a stark look at the past and the decisions I made, that God, through all of that, still lifted me up. So what happened with the apostles is, instead of having a worm's eye view, where's that bird? We got the bird's eye view. Oh, there's that worm. <laughs> I'm about to get you down. I know what's about to happen. Because we can stand from a position of knowing. See, when the disciples were not knowing, not understanding, not seeing, where were they? They went back to their old jobs. They're bummed out, felt like fools, right? You can probably understand all the emotions, right? That's what the word does for me. I want to get into it. I want to see what's, I want to feel those emotions because then they can translate to the emotions that I feel. You understand what I'm saying? Does this make sense to you, church? I just want to encourage you to continue no matter what. I've gotten knocked up the side of the head and fallen off so many times, but the anchor of the church of God is what I cling to. And it's just profound, the encouragement that I receive from pastor who through the Holy Spirit, I believe, encouraged me to push forward in ministry. That he saw what was in me through the Holy Spirit and he encouraged me to be faithful. He encouraged me to step out into the giftings that God has for me. That's our responsibility to other Christians. I have a habit that I like to have. I try to compliment people a lot of times obscurely. If I'm at work and I see somebody change their hair, wow, that looks good. Right on. You know, just little stuff. Because I'm starting to understand that there's very few compliments in life. There's very few times where a stranger will walk up to you and just give you a genuine compliment. Let's be better Christians. Because the people out there who don't know anything about it, we're the book. We're the Bible. We're the image of Jesus. (laughs) How does that set with you? How does that set with you? You know, remember I'd ask a question on Facebook. Who's the nicest person you know? And why aren't you that person? Let's throw away about not liking people. Let's love them properly. Let's love each other properly. The world has lost its properness. The world has lost it. People ask me why I dress. I dress for church because it's a habit. And I'm a bit of a ham. But um, that's what I was taught. That's what I learned. It was respectful. 
to get up and put on your Sunday best and come to church to honor the Lord and honor his house. You know, let's put it forward. When I go to work, I dress because I feel like when a customer comes in to see me, they're looking to spend twenty to $60,000, whatever. I want them to see a professional that's worth talking to when I'm going to spend that much money. That's respect. You understand? So all the things that you know, I'm not preaching to a bunch of people who don't know anything. You know, it's about practicing and it's about getting outside of whatever you have right here. My pain over the last few days, because I've been working really hard, insanely intense. I call it exhilarating. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like sometimes I'll get up and just bam, I'll whoo, yes! <laughs> Man, that was good pain right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. That should be our approach to life. You know, whatever it is, because we have the ultimate trump card to play. You know, we should know what's happening. I know what's going I have an assurance of heaven. No matter what sins I commit right now, I'm not trying to practice it. I'm trying to move beyond it. But sometimes this thing gets in the way. The only way to combat this thing is with this thing so God can do his thing. You understand? Let God do his thing in your life. Cooperate with him. And I know how hard it is. I'm not standing up here trying to tell you something is easy when it's not. But you know what? The hard things in life are generally the ones that are most worth it. You know, the world is selling you fake ease. You know what ease does to you? Gives you one of these. You know, like I used to go to the gym all the time. And all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, man, I don't even want to walk up the stairs. But I know it's good for me. Eating properly. I get emotional. Everybody like those Hostess O's, the little donuts, the powdered ones with the jelly in them. Oh, man, that's my jam. You know, but I, I look at them. I think about them real hard. And I look at them some more. I'm like, nope, get behind me, Satan. I give in maybe once, about every two months now, isn't it? Don't lie on me. Don't lie on me. <laughs> anyway. I say that help, let God get into your emotional basket and clean that stuff out. I was abused. I am not abused. I was abused. I'm not abused. I'm healed. <clears throat> I'm saved. You know, that stuff doesn't have to dog me. God brought me up out of those things. I remember that. I remember my life in Christ when I was really on. I want that back. They say in addiction, you chase the dragon. You chase that one high where it was so fantastic. You're just trying to get back there. You never get there. But in the spiritual life, when you chase that high that you had, when you and God were right, functional, you got to chase that high because it can be attained. It can be attained. Don't stop trying. Don't stop investing your time in your word and in your prayer. And Don't stop. Don't stop. Jesus did not allow the disciples to stop. He came back and he infused them with power and opened their minds to the understanding that they belong to God, the true God. And we don't have to be arrogant in any of that. We have to be thankful. Just be thankful. Okay? What do you think, church? I love you today. 
Stay strong. Be powerful in the Lord. I want my joy back. COVID stole my joy because I let it. Tell my wife, people only treat you the way you let them. Let God treat you better. Just open yourself to him. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the touch on each and every one of our lives that your Holy Spirit can direct and strengthen us in our times of need, Lord. Help us be a study to show ourselves approved workmen and women unto God. That's the true work. That's the real work, Lord. That we can learn to love each other and love everyone around us truly. That we can touch lives and save people from the fires of hell, Lord God. Strengthen us today as we go. Let this message sink into the hearts that you've prepared, Lord God. Grow us up in your most holy faith. We praise you and we thank you today. Praise God. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.